0: Jcastnetwork.org.
1: Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Marcy Jacob-Zoranchik, and today we're studying Masechet Shabbat, Daff Kuflamid Dalid. Masechet Shabbat, page 134. In the midst of our Daf's discussion of the things we're allowed to do on Shabbat to care for a newly circumcised child, we receive a litany of advice on caring for newborns from what might seem like an unlikely source, Abaye's foster mother. Abaye, according to Talmudic tradition, was orphaned at an early age, and often cites examples of wisdom he acquired from his adoptive mother, introducing each with the phrase Amrali em," Mother Told Me. Some of the things we learn from Abaye's mother, if a newborn won't suckle, it's because his mouth is cold, so bring a pan of hot coals near his mouth in order to warm it up. If a newborn can't breathe easily his mother's placenta should be brought and rubbed all over him. If a newborn is too red, it is because his blood is not yet absorbed in him. If a newborn is too pale, or green in the words of the Gemara, it is because his blood hasn't filled in properly. In both cases, his brit milah should be delayed until the blood situation sorts itself out. When we open up a daf of the Talmud, we are often fortunate to get a glimpse of the world in which the rabbis lived. Over the past few Dapim, we've encountered discussions of bloodletting, leprosy, anatomy and physiology, and a fair amount of medical advice. There's a story back on daf 129, akin to our familiar tale of the princess and the pea, illustrating a point about the danger of letting blood in a room where the wind might cause a strong draft. Shmuel, we're told, used to have his bloodlet in a room whose walls were seven and a half bricks deep each brick being three tfachim, or hand breaths wide. This meant that the walls were about seven feet thick. Presumably, that would be strong enough to prevent the wind from coming in and capitalizing on your weakened state after having your bloodlet. One day, Shmuel had his bloodlet, and he suddenly felt weak. He checked the walls of the building and found that there was half a brick missing. While many of the practices described by Abaye's aim his mother, are no longer current, and the remedies listed might be debunked by the medical establishment, these passages help us understand the world in which the rabbis of the Talmud were living. This alone is a remarkable gift. Aside from being interesting realia, it also lends the Gemara's discourse, which can often give the sense of being composed of pure abstraction, a foothold in the world in which people, and not simply minds or spirits, actually live. But the Amrali aims and passages like them also have a practical import. Some of Abaye's mother's advice was simply that, good advice from a woman who clearly spent some time around newborns. And some of her advice had halachic implications. Both the baby with too much blood and the baby with not enough, following upon her advice, were to have their Britot Milah delayed until their health became more stable the command to have a child circumcised on the eighth day of life is not at all vague in the Torah. What's more, it's backed up by some powerful examples of our ancestors fulfilling this mitzvah. What we see in this passage on our daf is the ability of what might otherwise be dismissed as folk wisdom to override or at least interact with a direct command of the Torah. I see in this a compelling lesson about what it means, at least for the rabbis, but also for me, to live a religious life. We often define the word halakha as Jewish law and understand that translation to mean that halakha is the system of laws that relate specifically to our Jewish life. We think of halakha as something that exists exclusively in the province of the prohibitions and obligations that define our ritual practices. Kashrut, Shabbat, holidays prayer these practices take place in the rarefied world of the synagogue or perhaps at home but only at special times abaye's mother's wisdom cited as it is here in the gemara teaches us that the ritual aspects of our tradition must be attuned to the world in which they take place a brit milah cannot take place on the eighth day without regard for the actual baby to be circumcised similarly Our observance of Shabbat isn't meant to remove us from the world. Rather, it's meant to help us construe how we interact with the world, both on weekdays and on the Sabbath. The advice in the Realia that appear on Ardaf, and on countless other Daphim, also teach us that the conception of Halakha as something that exists only in certain corners of our lives is simply wrong. For the rabbis, every facet of a Jew's life was lived in relationship with Jewish tradition. Halakha certainly is meant to govern all aspects of our lives, both those that are expressly related to ritual and everything else. But what these stories and aphorisms teach us is that halakha also grows out of our worldly experiences. The image that comes to my mind is that of a tumbleweed with two interlocked forces, the divine and the mundane, law and narrative, halakha and experience, driving each other forward. As the sages of the Talmud and their mothers teach us, we look to Torah to see how to live, and we look at how we live to enrich our understanding of Torah.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daft Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is "Ufros" from the Epic Horus album "One Beat," available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.